Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And I have my friend Judy Bratt here with me today. And we're going to be talking about the players and layers method. But before we jump into that, I wanted Judy to tell everybody a little bit about who she is and what she does for those of the folks uh, that don't know Judy. Hey, Mike, thanks for inviting me. I've been involved in the federal market for over 30 years. And I work with established companies that want to win more federal contracts by concentrating on what for so many people is the missing link, the human relationships that we all need to link together, the incredible talent and capacity that government contractors have and the needs of your federal buyers. And how to knit that together is the core of my practice. A lot of folks really underestimate the people side of this business because when you get into it, you hear, hey, go register in this system. And once you're in the system, respond to RFPs and things like that. And they just think, well, this isn't like commercial. I don't really have to do a lot of the personal stuff. I'll just go in there, respond to RFPs and win some business and life will be great and move on. Right? And that's just, <laughs> you can actually hit some home runs by just responding blindly to RFPs, but it's definitely not the strategies that we teach. I, I know, I know we're that way. I know you're that way. And so I, I know we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the players and layers method today that you talk about. You really focus on that human element of it and building those relationships. So why don't we start with maybe like a, a high level overview of what players and layers is? Sure. You know, and players and layers came out of work that I've done with my clients, especially over the last five or six years. And tell me something. How would you answer the question if you're a government contractor? Who is your buyer? Well, I know how I would, but I know most government contractors yeah, are going to say most. the government, right? Okay. That's who they're going to yes. say, the government. There you go. And first of all, the government doesn't buy anything. When there's a contract, there's a real human being that puts a physical or electronic signature on a document that binds you to 
to the government of the United States, mm -hmm. your company to the government of the United States to do work. That person has everything on the line when they choose you. Now, if I kind of dial it down and say, oh, all right, uh, my client is Department of Homeland Security. Well, the Department of Homeland Security is not a person. So we dial it down right. again and someone says, oh, well, and then we get into a little scuffle. People say, oh, my buyer is the contracting officer. And someone will say, no, 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 no. My buyer is the small business specialist. And someone will say, no, no, my buyer is the program manager, really. And the answer is a composite. There's people at multiple layers who, if you're successful, if you're repeatedly successful, all need to know you, like you, trust you, want you to be there. And if any one or two just really don't like you, they can slow down the whole works and thro right. literally throw their bodies between you and a contract award and do everything to stop you. And that happens way too often. So big understandings are that there's multiple people that you really need to get to know if you want repeatable, easier success. And so just that understanding that there's more than one person and that you've been just ignoring or overlooking all kinds of people and then figuring that out in a structural way and being able to find and nurture those relationships is, I love your podcast title for this reason, it's game changing, even right. for companies that have been in the federal market for years. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like the way you said that, because I think a lot of people would argue that, well, you know, I've never really gotten to know this person or this person or that person at the organization, and we're doing just fine. Well, you might be doing just fine, but you could be doing a whole lot better if you started to get to know more people in the organization. And so it, it obviously depends on what you sell. You know, if you're selling pencils, then you maybe you don't need to know the program manager. But how much would it help if you did, it, regardless? of what you sell because most people aren't just selling pencils they're selling no. more complicated things whether it's products or services uh, mm -hmm. even even on the product side I've seen some very complicated things where it's not just a widget you order off online uh, we've got a, a client that sells fuel tanks and different things mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of different requirements for those and so the, mm -hmm. it really just depending on what you sell in my mind will help guide how deep you need to go how wide you need to go mm -hmm. um, and who those important people are because maybe Maybe the contracting officer is not the person you should be talking to, or they're one of, but they're not the most mm -hmm. important. And so just trying to figure out who those right people are and at what level they play the game is huge for a small business. So why don't you try to break it down for me a little bit when, when you're trying to teach this to a client, where do you start with them? Great question. A lot of the time, especially when your business is at an early stage and you're just trying to meet, going to lots of events and meeting lots of people, when you look at the their, their job titles, the folks that you seem to meet a lot of, they're easy to talk to, they're really chatty, small business specialists or people in the office of small and disadvantaged business utilization, Ozdaboos, or the small and disadvantaged business utilization, the SADBOO offices, it's, um, or in some ways, office of women and minority inclusion in a, in a couple of agencies. Most important thing to remember, they are not your buyers. Mm -hmm. They have lots of information. Their job is to provide navigational assistance and the hard you work, the more you're going to get from them. And in some ways to be a gatekeeper and kind of slow you down so you're not running around creating a lot of noise and taking up a lot of time of a lot of other players. So they understanding um, how they can help you and how you can make it easier for them to be really helpful. That is one layer. So they're the easiest to meet. They're often the first people that you meet. And one big misunderstanding people have in the federal arena is that the small business specialist is going to tell you about things or bring you business. So, mm. but they are one layer. And while they can't award contracts to you, if you play your cards right, you come in prepared. They can open doors. They can make introductions. Better yet, they can.
can help you verify and filter out the noise of research you've already done and, and get you on a faster track to meet the other people you need to meet. So small business specialist is layer one. And there's all kinds of uh, noise about complaints about small business specialists. And a lot of the time, it's sort of like experiences people have with accidents with marine animals. Uh, most of the things that happen are really a, an example oh, of wow. the humans behaving bad, the, the humans behaving badly in yeah. the, or in, in ways that are disturbing to the marine life, which generally don't really want to hurt you at all. Right. So there we go. So small business specialist layer one. Yeah. And you know, okay. that's one of my favorite layers uh, before you go on to layer two. It's one of my favorite layers because it really is what I would consider as you're, as you're kind of doing your research and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a high stress layer. Like it's just, it's yeah. a layer where you can come in, you can say, Hey, I'm brand new to this. I'm brand new to your organization. I really don't know. You can fumble around and make some mistakes yeah. and get a lot of help. And, and while you're doing that, get comfortable with the organization. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really nice layer to enter with. The other thing yeah. I, I like about that layer mm-hmm. is, you know, most of these people are really just strong advocates for whatever it is you're doing. And not, yeah. not just because you're selling a certain widget, but because you have, you know, worked hard to, to get that status certification, whatever it is, you've got that. And they're saying, hey, you know, we're trying to help you uh, navigate this. And like you said, filter out what are the right things and the wrong things. So I, I think it's a great layer. And it's one, again, where if you're nervous, if you're new to the market yeah. and you enter in having a conversation with them, it should kind of relax you and, and help you approach the next layer in the market. We as humans are wired to do more of the things that we that experience teaches us make us successful. And so that means that a first positive successful experience in a call with a small business specialist leaves us feeling a little more courageous to mm-hmm. call somebody we might not know as well. And it also gives us practice in something that's critical in the federal arena, following instructions. Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, we and can so do a whole podcast on that. We can and we'll do it another time. And But for sure, yeah. when these people tell you things that pay attention, follow instructions, do it quickly, come back. That builds trust. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. That builds worthiness. Okay, maybe they're not going to really embarrass me if I introduce them to the contracting officer. So that's yeah. really important yeah. to follow instructions and respond really quickly and be be very thorough yeah. because you're not having to write a huge proposal to show that you're really good and know your stuff and trustworthy by just simply responding, getting back to your small business specialist and giving them what you said when you said. That means that you're going to make it easier to build trust and other relationships. So small business specialists, it's your it's your cream puff layer. They, they're tough. A lot of them have been program managers and contracting mm-hmm. officers. They've been in the other seats as well as knowing the people. So you can yeah. say, what's it like to be over there? You can have deeper conversations and much more insightful ones if only you realized that they are humans. Look them up on LinkedIn. See what other jobs they've been in. Almost always they've been in other jobs besides a small business job. Some departments like Homeland Security, they don't put anybody in a small business job unless they've been in the contracting yeah. job already. They have so much they can give you if only you listen. And so next layer, I'm going to say next layer that you absolutely need to be aware of is what I call the contracting layer. And there's a couple of players in there. One is the contracting officer. Contracting officer has a power that the president of the United States does not have the legal authority to bind your company with the government of the United States in a contractual arrangement to deliver products and services and get paid for doing so. That means, though, that they are bound by laws and regulations. It means that if those things screw up, they can not only lose their jobs, they can go to jail at the bottom line. So they are super risk averse. Yep. 
So keep that in mind. They are supported by the contracting specialist who is also often wants to be a contracting officer, is learning lots of stuff. They may be your first point first point of contact. They may be screening bids, making sure the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, answering your questions, but they are not going to have the authority to sign a contract for you. Both, But they're all in what I call the contracting layer. Thing is, they're different from, and I want to do these two close next to each other, what I call the end user layer. The end users don't have the authority to sign a contract. Contract. They are very wise about what it is that the that, that officer program needs, how much they need, what they do and don't like about the current contractors, and they are the ones who are stuck with the consequences of choosing you. And so mm-hmm. that's a very rich layer. There's lots of people to get to know there, and there's lots of conversations that they're happy to have in places you can learn things and generate some small requirements, not this big, huge proposally thing, if you find them early enough. And so both those layers are really critical, and they, in some shops they work really close together and cooperate in other shops they don't get along really well yeah. and if the end the the contracting people say those end users are so irresponsible they waste all the money we are really going to make it hard for them to spend money and the end users say we just want to get the job done a contracting won't let us get anything so under so you may end up kind of brokering relationships or being the industrial translator between those two layers and so you've got the people at both layers have to like you one has to make sure the the competition is run properly and all the rules are followed and they're on the for that and and user layer they're stuck with the consequences they are the consumers of your products and services you may be working alongside with them in the account i'm going to pause mike how does that sound to you does that track with your experience and yeah. your clients experience? yes it, it tracks exactly and you know depending on what you sell i've worked with every one of the layers mm-hmm. and when we were like when josh and i first met almost 20 years ago we worked primarily with the end user layer mm-hmm. and well mm-hmm. it was a, it was a combination of the end user and the program manager those were the yeah. two people yeah. we were always working with and mm-hmm. then we got introduced to contracting officers we were like what are these people <laughs> what are these people and why are these people slowing it down? I, I thought my PM had all the power in the world to make uh-huh. this happen. And in fact, they had a lot of power in directing how things were done, but it was also based on the organization. So you could go from one organization to another organization and be like, wow, this person has zero power. Yeah, <laughs> This person is not very, you know, they're new. They, they don't have a big reputation here, but uh-huh. like joint forces command was one of my first clients and uh-huh. the program manager that I was working with then I'll never forget her. And she was one of those people that was like, I want this. I want $4 million of it. And I want it by the end of the month. And it happened, you know, yep. like that's just the way it was. And so she could make those moves and all that stuff. I never met a small business specialist there. I never really met the contracting officer. Mm -hmm. until I I couldn't recall the name. But yeah, it was just one of those things where that person had so Mm -hmm. much power to make things happen and Mm -hmm. they were huge advocates for us. But yet you go somewhere Uh, else and it's totally different. I I love this. And and some so if you've been successful without knowing anything about players and layers, okay, great. But here's why you want to keep listening to this podcast. It's what I call the 12X rule. The 12X rule. Here it is. Somebody who's already bought something from you is 12 times more likely to buy from you again than somebody you've never met. Now think about that. If you are not really wooing and getting to know your players at all the layers and making it easier to do bit, do more business with you, you're working 1,200% harder than you need to. Why? Nobody has time for that. Right. So in those two layers, there's an intersecting person. There's a person who has a job title called contracting officer's representative. Don't be fooled. They are part of the end user layer, so they don't have signing authority, but they are the industrial translator, the 
liaison between, the crossing over between the end user layer and the contracting layer. The contracting officer's representative is often the one who's taking all of those end user needs and turning them into a statement of work, turning them into contracting language that they can take over to contracting. Contracting knows what to do with that to make sure that the right thing gets competed or purchased. So that's a person to really uh, take a look for, but they are part of your end user layer. Okay. Now, next layer, industry, the primes, other people. There, you've got competition in that account. The, your federal buyer, if you've never done business with them before, is probably buying something instead of your stuff or the thing that they're going to buy before your stuff or expertise right now. So instead of looking at the whole flood of what I call opportunities and going, what can I bid? Everything, the game changes when you stop asking, what can I bid and start saying, who's my buyer? Who are my buyers? And how can I get in front of them, get to know them and get to know who it is that my current buyers, people who buy or need what I do, who are they in love with now? And one of the other things that the RSM federal team and the Summit Insight team both are strong advocates for is accessing past federal contract award data to see exactly who the agencies that we and people we want to do business with, who are they in love with now? Who are they already buying from? In some instances, they may be buying from a large prime and the organization may be able to, in a big contract on the recompete, to chunk off a piece of that and compete it among smaller businesses. But you've got to know that doesn't happen the day before the solicitation drops. That happens many months in advance. So getting to know that prime, that package, there may be a chunk of that package. That prime is perfectly happy to let go of because they hate doing that anyway. And it's nothing but nuisance. But your company does that really well and can hardly wait to do it. And um, that was a conversation that happens over time. In other instances, sometimes it'll be maybe another small business that you can or want to team with. In other instances, it may be someone you know perfectly well that your price, your value, your expertise is better. You can bump them out. But your federal buyers, remember the risk averse buyers, they would rather have predictable bad treatment, honestly, because they wake up in the morning, they know they put on their armor, they know exactly what kind of bad day they're going to have than some new savior who tells them something wonderful is going to happen going, yeah, really? Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So predictability, even if it's a predictability in a bad way, um, ends up being feeling more attractive. So it takes time and small experiences to build up a different experience in working with you and your company. So getting to know who are your primes and how are they as the word I love is competitive. So who are they, both the incumbent, potential partners, who are all the other industrial players? And remember, some of them may be in the account. Some of them may be dual hatted. They're sitting there with a .gov or a .mil business card or ID, but they actually work for bumpty bump contractor down the street, which is why LinkedIn is your friend. So again, recap on layer, small business specialist. That's your easy conversation. You've got your contracting layer. You've got your end user layer. You've got your primer industry layer. And the last layer are the stakeholders. Now that might be the base commander, the CIO. This is the person who's going to be, honestly, they're going to be fired if your performance and your work and your contract goes tango uniform. They are the ones who are going to be on the front page of the Washington Post for thousands of veterans didn't get their appointments and didn't get service and so many had critical outcomes. All of these kinds of things. So that person is the one who's going to take the responsibility and get fired if you don't perform. They're also the ones who are setting the big picture priorities, setting the language and the big themes that are going to be important. These are the people who you're, all your other players are going to be talking about and listening to. They may be the ones who are speaking at conferences. They're setting the big picture. So you do need to know who they are. They are not involved in choosing you and you're not going to meet them and say, would you please walk me down the hall and introduce me to Bumpty Bump who can buy my stuff? Or, hey, would you please buy my stuff? That's not that relationship, but they are a player and an influencer. So there's players and layers. I want to pause. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I know a lot of good stuff there. You know, when a um, couple things, when I think about the prime layer and, mm -hmm. and the competition, 
I think a lot of people are, are very afraid to team with people initially because they hear, well, they sell what I sell. We're competition. We're not going to like each other. There's all those kind of things. And why would they team with me? And there, there's a lot of reasons they team with you. And we could talk about that in a, in a whole other podcast. But out of all the years I've done this, so 20 something years been in the industry, there's only two companies ever that we had what I would consider a nasty relationship with. Mm-hmm. Two companies. And <laughs> it's one of those where I would die rather than team with them. So two okay. Okay. companies out of, out of 20, 20 years, 20 mm-hmm. years, two companies like that. And so it's not like every company has that kind of relationship. In fact, it's the opposite. A lot of times, even if you do the exact same stuff, I can't tell you how many times I run into relationships with clients where I say, Hey, you're a woman owned 8A. You're a woman owned 8A. You do the exact same stuff. You should be teaming on this because you know, the customer and you don't have the support system. You know, you don't, you don't have the staff and so you know they know the customer uh, and you have a sweet spot over here it'd be a really good relationship and it works it works so so many times and so I would say don't be afraid to team with these people and work with them and guess what there are thousands of them so it's not like you only have four or five choices you have hundreds if not thousands of choices of people to team with and work with and if you're new to the market those people know your client that's why you want to team with number one reason why you want to team with them they know your client. And so that's really important. The other thing I was going to comment was um, you, you were talking about the contracting officer and, and how they're being risk adverse and all that kind of stuff. I, I say this quite often and some people don't like it when I say it, but I'm going to go ahead and repeat it on here. Uh, small business goals are important. Sure, they're yes. important. Oh, yes. But going to jail, you know, that's higher on my my list, right? So so yeah. screwing up, going to jail, getting fired, those are all things that I will avoid. Void, I will miss my small business goals rather yes. than wind up in that bucket. And I think that's yeah. one thing that small businesses need to understand. You can't yes. go in there hard charging and saying, well, you've got to meet small business goals. That's why you've <laughs> got to give this to me. Well, I don't want to go to jail and that's why I'm not going to give it to you because I don't trust you because of whatever, you know, I, or, I, or even, or I don't even know you. Or I don't even I, know you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking about getting to know, like, and trust people. And <laughs> a lot of times as as you're going through and having these conversations with contracting officers, small business reps, whatever it may be, they will put things out there that I don't even think they realize are a test, but then you fail it. Like they'll, they'll say, Hey, could you send me this? Could you respond to this? And then you don't. And then you show up later with your hand out again. And they're like, didn't I ask him for something? And he, he didn't give it to me. Or I asked them for something and they they gave me the wrong thing or they completely misunderstood mm-hmm. the assignment mm-hmm. or and and so there's these little tests that happen throughout the relationship before you get a contract and mm-hmm. if you blow them off or fail them that's exactly how they're going to feel they're going to be like wait a minute yes you you couldn't pass the basic test mm-hmm. of send me your capability statement or mm-hmm. whatever it may be and mm-hmm. so yeah i'm not going to trust you and, yeah. and i'm award this to somebody else and so i think we just we have to understand that they're they're people they're going through this mm-hmm. and if you make their life hard you know that's mm-hmm. the thing. if you make their life hard they're not going to award stuff to you or at least they're going to do their best not mm-hmm. to right yeah i know that's exactly how i am. right 
right. That's it's exactly right. There's sort of I'm, the way I think of it in practical terms. There's three different pieces to the players and layers methodology. One is understanding a structural way of thinking of players that you can sort them out, and there each person you meet is in in one of those broadly five layers. The second piece is understanding how trust is built. And I consistently draw on the work of Dr. Brene Brown at the University of Houston. And I will just put down that it acronyms out to BRAVING. And these are seven elements. You can find out more in her book, Dare to Lead, her work, Dare to Lead, on her website. But those elements, are real quick, are boundaries, reliability, accountability, the vault, that's confidentiality, integrity, non-judgmentality, and generosity. Easy to recite takes time to learn and a lifetime to really live. But all of those things, if you're trying to either build a trusted relationship or diagnose one or fix one, because you know it isn't working, the, that's my checklist. I'm going to, there's a lot more to say on that. Yeah, and that's another element I teach. Another... The third element is what I call micro engagement, not micro purchase, mm -hmm. but micro engagement. We as humans are built to do more of the things that experience teaches us, make us successful. This is dopamine. It's the the thing that keeps us going back and pulling the lever in this on the slots at Vegas or doing those other things repeatedly that we have good experiences with that help us thrive. Now, our federal buyers, people at each of those layers, they each have goals. The goal of the small business specialist is different from the goals of the people in the contracting layer are different from the goals of the folks in the end user layer. Right, Mike? Yeah. There is not, your federal buyer does, your con your end user does not wake up in the morning saying, how can I award more business to the service disabled veteran owned 8A woman owned business in a hub zone? They do not wake up thinking that. Right, they right. do want to make sure that they protect their family, they get promoted, they achieve the mission, they can have long-term security. Though That bottom layer of Maslow's pyramid. And by the way, yeah, the small business specialist wants to have another one of those meetings about small business goals and their goals. The small business specialist of all the layers is the only one who loses any sleep and not much. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute over, hey, can I award more contracts to all these flavors of small business? So long as their file is filled with what you call good faith efforts, they can show they tried, mm -hmm. which is why you have so many small business events in September. You think right, anybody's right. awarding new things to new to strangers in September? No, nope, but the file's getting filled up. Up, they're not going to actually get into trouble either because they can show they just did everything they possibly could have. And so, but being aware of the goals and they're quite different. And my goal as a contractor might be, I want to win a contract. Well, great, but that's not the goal. Awarding Judy a contract is not why you as Mike wake up in the morning. You as right. Mike wake up in the morning saying, I need to make sure that the United States Marine Corps is battle ready for any engagement. And that might or might not involve Judy. But if I'm having a conversation with Mike, I need to make sure that every single time Mike talks to me, he knows that I appreciate his goal and everything I'm talking about and bringing to him is moving him a little closer to that goal. And there might be five or six different projects or programs that maybe successful choice of a contractor will mean that goal will be achieved. On the way, in the contracting layer, for example, the people in the contracting layer, they want uh, they also want job security and achieve the mission. They want to make sure they spend all the money and follow all the rules and look good. And so in the meantime, they're, stu they're stuck for time. They have to show that they shopped. So maybe having a list of five or six different woman-owned businesses who I could happily duke it out with, and I think I could compete strongly against, but I can say, hey, this piece here 
here. I think there are no more, there are at least five women-owned businesses that could do this work. Here's a kind of a checklist of all the reasons why they would all be strong contenders. And you, this might give you a little bit of an edge in market research for this requirement. That saves them a truckload of time. They might have to verify it for sure, but that's bringing them a little something that can make their job easier. It shows you are smart, courageous, care about them, and can help them. And so you want, so the third piece of micro-engagement is to look at all of your interactions. A micro-engagement is a tiny step that either of you can initiate that moves each of you a little closer to your goals. A micro-engagement might be exactly that thing, Mike, that you talked about, that the contract, the small business specialist says, give me your capability statement. That's a micro-engagement. They've asked you for a thing. It's going to help you. It's going to help them. It's a tiny step. It moves you both forward. Are you going to take up that engagement and do it well, or are you going to lose it? Mm -hmm. Because trust is built one small interaction at a time. Every single interaction, you think about it as a, a jar, an empty jar, and you get to fill it with marbles. You can visualize the, the, the jar full of rocks or marbles. But then some of the space in between the marbles can be filled up with tiny grains of sand, but they all contribute, even those tiny engagements. So players and layers, concept one, anatomy of trust. Concept two, how are you interacting with each of them in ways that build trust with every interaction, no matter, even with voicemails or sending sending information. And the third piece is micro-engagements that move your folks toward their milestones as well as their goals and understanding those for the unique individual federal humans that you are talking to. If you're if you're feeling like your head is going to explode at this point, take a breath. If you go, this is a truckload of work. I don't want to do that. I got proposals to write. Well, if your win rate is not over the top from these proposals, these novels you're writing for strangers, this is a perfect time to step back and go, what if I could write fewer proposals, but to people who are genuinely interested, even if I don't, they don't award at this time, in having me in their organization, setting me up for the win, wouldn't that be better? And, and that's really the goal. The goal is to write more proposals where the chances of you winning are higher. I, I want to focus on writing those proposals and more of those and not just proposals for the sheer volume of it. Volume is one thing, but I'm not after volume. I am after winning proposals. And that's that's the big thing there. So, so thanks for coming on and talking about all this today. I know we, we covered a lot of ground and, uh, you know, if people need to get a hold of you, I'm going to have your LinkedIn, phone number, all that kind of good stuff connected to this podcast. They can get a hold of you there. Uh, but uh, but thanks for coming on and talking about all this. This has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I look forward to it. Get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Send a cover note saying Mike sent me and we'll take it from there. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.